This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, Matt Straub here, welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Before we get going, a quick reminder as always to rate review and subscribe to the show if you don't mind helping us out there we appreciate it meanwhile today tommy beer is with me we're going to hit some surprising recent trends some of them good some of them bad we're going to try to discern what they mean for fantasy purposes tommy we'll start with rudy gobert he's been around a top 12 player the last month just crushing it do you think this is an isolated peak hot streak an isolated high point from rudy gobert or should we be treating him like a borderline first round player the rest of the way yeah, I'm pretty confident that Rudy is here to stay and that his his production is legit. Coming into the season, I think most of us had him, you know, right around that that first round bubble, you know, you know, second most mostly in the second round, maybe early second round, um, you know, top twenty overall player in, in a lot of fantasy rankings, top fifteen, etc. And he's you know pretty much lived up to the hype. Um, obviously, uh, of late, as you mentioned, uh, you know, he's he's been playing really really well. Um, you know, we, we, we sort of knew that the points and the boards, uh, and, and the solid field goal production were going to be there, um, as well as the blocks. What's really been impressive has been his assist numbers lately. I think that's the thing that's kind of jumped out at me. Last week, he had a career high eight assists in a, in a win over Chicago, um, had five assists over the weekend. Over his last five games, he's averaging, uh, four assists per contest which is obviously impressive. So I think when you factor all that in, you know, I think there's a decent chance that he's, uh, you know, if not top 10, a, a top 15 overall, you know, produced the rest of the way. Yeah, and over his last 15 games, Gobert is at 16 points, 14.7 boards, 2.6 assists. You mentioned the great production there, uh, 1.0 steals and 2.2 blocks. Just crushing it. The free throw percentage is not killing you. So good times from Rudy Gobert. Uh, next on our list, next trend I want to hit is D'Angelo Russell. He is number 17 overall the last month. This is a guy who, you know, we, I, I certainly at times have been worried about his percentages and turnovers. That's not an issue lately. Are you selling high on D'Angelo or hanging in there with him if you have him? It's a really good question. I'm actually writing about Russell for my notable numbers column that's going to come out today. So I was kind of digging de- a little bit deeper into the numbers. And um, he really has been playing at a phenomenal level since the calendar flipped to 2019. Uh, Brooklyn's been one of the hottest teams in the league. They're 8-2 and two this month. In those eight wins, Russell's averaging 26.4 points, 7.6 assists. Versus just 2.1 turnovers, which obviously is important. 4.5 made threes over steal, shooting over 50% from the floor, over 45% from downtown, over 90% from the free throw line. You know, so those numbers really are an outlier when you look at his, you know, overall production. Um, do I expect him to match those numbers and or approach those numbers over the next 30 some odd games the rest of the season? Absolutely not. That being said, he's still on the year a top 50 overall player. You know, I, I think while his numbers will regress the mean, I, I'm pretty certain that across the board, the three-point shooting, the field goal percentage is, is going to come down. Um, I think that's a very safe um, assumption. If he can keep continue to limit those turnovers, um, he's the only player in the league 
um, this month that's averaging over seven assists and more than threes while um, more than three threes while fewer than three turnovers. Um, that's a very uh, favorable combination. Um, and he's uh, 17th overall in fantasy value over the last month. I don't, obviously, you're not going to get top 20 value in return. You probably won't get top 50. So for that reason, I'll probably hold. Um, if somebody's willing to give me, you know, top 40, top 50 player um, in exchange or in a package, I'll definitely listen and I'll probably pull the trigger. Um, but I think the, it's unlikely that that somebody's going to pony up that sort of return. Um, so for that reason, I'll probably hold on to him and be content to do so. Well, we're going to talk about Donovan Mitchell in a few minutes. So let's just say, for example, Mitchell fell into your inbox. Someone was offering you Mitchell for Russell. Is that a trade you would take? Very close trade. I'd probably rather Mitchell. Yeah, it's close, though. I, I do think highly of, of Russell, but I, I would deal him for Mitchell. All right, more to come on Mitchell in a second. And by the way, one last note on Russell. You mentioned all those great stats. He's also hit seven or more threes three times in his last four games, so just ridiculously hot right now. I think he has 24 threes in his last four games. Next up, Yusuf Nurkic, 24 overall the last month. I mean, I I was high on Nurkic coming into the season. This is exceeding my expectations. He has just had some – he obviously had that 5-by-5 five five line uh, not too long ago and just has had some monster lines, had another one on Monday – uh, what are your expectations? Is this another guy you should should be trying to sell or or ride it out the rest of the way? Uh, it depends on which. Again, it's a, it's a lot dependent on what you could get back. But um, he's just been real consistent across the board. You know, the points and the rebounds over a steal, over two blocks. Um, you know, been blocking a lot of shots of late. There's a lot to like there. You know, they've started to incorporate him more and more in terms of the offense he's, as he's building a trust with Lillard and, and McCollum and those guys. Um, so I'm, I think I'm, I'm buying Nurkic that he can continue this sort of production going forward. So um, I'm a believer. You mentioned the assists for Gobert. How about Nurkic last month? 4.6 assists. He also has five or more blocks four times the last month. So just he's having some of those stat lines that can just win you a week. So pretty sick production overall. Brooke Lopez also surging in a big way. 29th overall the last month, uh, averaging close to three threes a game, two and a half blocks. Are you buying him as a top 30 player? I mean, this is a guy who there have been stretches where he's super frustrating. So is this potentially also a sell high spot? Yeah, I, I'm not buying him as a top 30. Um, but I think if I could get, you know, top four, you know, fourth round, fifth round value, something along those lines in return, it's something I would consider. A lot of it's dependent on what you need. Obviously, Lopez has been, um, surprisingly, you know, I, I thought he was undervalued coming at the draft day. Um, his ADP was around 100, uh, you know, back in October. And he certainly exceeded that greatly this season. Even though his scoring isn't quite where we, where we thought it would be, you know, some of us believed he could be up around, you know, he's a 20 point score in Brooklyn obviously Giannis and, and Middleton and Bledsoe and those guys are going to be the focal point of the offense but um, you know Lopez could be around 15 he's only you know he's a little bit under 13 but the way he's scoring is so important he's knocking down threes you know at a, at a fantastic rate 2.5 on the season and the other thing is that he's been really aggressive defensively of late I was looking at his numbers a, a bit earlier as well he's blocked at least three shots in six of the Bucks' last eight games um, averaging 3.5 rejections over that eight game stretch also the other thing I found interesting on Lopez. He is on pace to do something that no player in NBA history has done. That's oh. average over two blocks and two made three pointers per contest for an entire season. Wow. Um, yeah, so so I thought that was interesting. So if you're if you're a team that needs blocks and threes, that's definitely somebody to target. If you've had him on your roster and you've kind of you know paced ran out in front of the competition in a roto league, um, or you have you know plenty of other blocks and three options uh, in a head to head format, he's somebody you may want to deal. 
Yeah, what a what a wild uh, career transformation this guy has undergone. Amazing, really is. <laughs> uh, just a silky three-point shooter now. Uh, a couple more happy trends, Tommy, before we get into some that are a little more of a bummer. Uh, another name, one of the names that jumps out at me the last month, Jeremy Grant, number 31 overall the last month, doing a lot in a lot of areas, especially steals, blocks, and threes. Do you think you could actually get anything for him in a trade, or is this maybe a case where he's more valuable to your squad than he is as a potential trade asset? You know, to be honest, Matt, he's one of those guys, and we've talked about him before. I forgot who we who was in this category. Uh, maybe it was Marcus Morris or it somebody. Was Marcus, yeah, Marcus Morris. Right. He had during a prior part. He's one of those guys that I would actually target in a trade because if you ask the casual fan on the street if Jeremy Grant's in the top one hundred, they'd probably go right. no. You know. Right. Let alone the top 50, let alone 31st overall. Um, so he's the type of guy where I'd, I'd almost kind of backdoor him into another deal, say, you know, listen, I'm really interested in, you know, I don't know, Rudy Gobert. I'll give you X and, you know, something else. If you give me Gobert and Jeremy Grant, or I like Luka Doncic. If you, you know, if you'll throw in Jeremy Grant, I'll give you, you know, a top 75 player or something along those lines. So yeah, I think Jeremy Grant's kind of one of those flying under the radar guys that's really locked into consistent minutes in a relatively predictable role uh, in OKC's. You know, again, as you mentioned, he's, you know, across the board, steals blocks and threes. He's not going to blow you away. He's not going to have any 28 point, 15 rebound nights, but every night he's going to give you, you know, plenty of rebounds, uh, you know, a steal, two blocks, a three, something along those lines. Um, and those guys are really, really valuable to flesh out your roster. So, um, yeah, I actually view him as a trade target. Oh, that's good. All right. I like that. Yeah, he's been a he's had some tantalizing potential for a while now. And as a guy who would kind of pop up and have value for like a week or two and then go cold, he's finally putting it together, which is fun to see. All right, one more good news trend. This is the aforementioned Donovan Mitchell, number 32 overall the last month, finally shooting it well after his early season woes, especially from three-point range. Is Donnie Mitchell officially back? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously after the slow start at the beginning of the year, he's kind of, you know, producing where I where I thought he would. That being said, I was never high on him. I think I had him ranked outside the top 40, which was far lower than than most other outlets in terms of uh, preseason uh, fantasy ranking. So I think while he's obviously he's producing what we kind of hoped he would going into the season, even at his best, um, and he's mm-hmm. been close to his best uh, over his last 15, 25 points, 4.5 assists, 2.73, shooting a decent percentage. He's still just 32nd overall over the last month. Um, with that stat line, which is kind of what we were hoping for coming into the season. So I think he's kind of reached his high water mark over the last month. Um, so for that reason, I think he's probably closer to finishing the year, you know, 40th overall around there, um, than he would be the, 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 um, you know, the top 20, top 25. So I think there's a reasonable chance that you'd be able to get a guy in the top 25, top 30. Um, you know, given Mitchell's cachet and his name, um, and, and in production last season. So he's actually the guy I would put on the trade market. Yeah, and I mean, not a guy you would trade because we're saying the wheels are going to fall off all of a sudden, just because potentially because of his name recognition and the fact that he's finally playing well, he may actually have a bit of inflated value, you know, above his, you know, 35-ish value overall, which is basically what he is. Exactly. All right, Tommy, let's hit some trends that that are maybe a little more problematic for fantasy squads. I want to start with Luka Doncic. You and I have talked about him a bunch of times. We haven't done so in a while. So this is kind of a uh, a quarterly update, if you will. We've talked about his free throw percentage. So I want to hit that. And and Luka is number 90 overall the last month. Free throw percentage the last month, last 20 games, 
68.4 field goal percentage 43.4 now the rest of his stats are fantastic i'm not knocking any of that but how much weight do you put on these percentages if you're in an eight nine category league yeah i think you have to and it's not just that he's shooting uh, surprisingly poorly from the free throw line he's taking a ton of free throws yeah you know over eight free throws per game over that 20 game stretch i think over the last month harden's the only player in the nba that has had more total free throw attempts um, so that gives you a kind of idea. While it's obviously not one of those Andre Drummond, um, DeAndre Jordan, where he's going to completely sink you in the category. Um, a guy that's shooting sub 70 and is, you know, taking that num- volume of free throws can certainly drag you down. And, uh, similar, along similar lines, the field goal attempts, he's averaging over 16 attempts a night. Um, so, you know, it's not just like he's shooting, you know, seven or eight, you know, a Draymond Green who has a poor percentage, but only takes, you know, seven shots per game. Um, you know, uh, Luka Doncic does, does bring you down in those categories. So, Again, I think it's kind of one of those, you know, league-specific, team-specific situations right. in, in terms of valuing him. You know, are you a team that is already near the bottom of the league in terms of field goal percentage and free throw percentage? Yeah, then kind of do a midseason punt format and, uh, you know, or, or game plan and, and, you know, maybe target him and another poor free throw shooter. Um, whereas if you are in the middle of the pack in those two categories and feel like you can rise up um, in the rest of the second half of the season, you know, you can certainly deal him um, and you'd think you'd get a lot of value in, in, in return, you know, given how well he's played and how, you know, kind of prominent he is in our, our national consciousness. Yeah, I think this is one of those cases where you have to be unsentimental and uh, be a little ruthless with your own squad and really evaluate, like you're saying, Tommy, what is he doing to your percentages? And as much fun as it may be to to watch this guy and uh, pull for him, just be aware of the bad things he's doing to your categories as well as the good ones. And speaking of which, Marc Gasol, uh, after a pretty great early season run, is now number 89 overall the last month not shooting well, as I mentioned. And he also has that stigma of being a shutdown risk swirling around him now, which is never a good thing. So if Gasol is on your squad, do you trade him away now at less than optimal value at, you know, 75 cents on the dollar? Do you wait it out? Do you panic? What's the move here? There is a lot to worry about with Gasol. You know, you mentioned that he's a shutdown candidate, which is certainly the case. He's also dealing with a couple nagging injuries. He seems to pop up on the uh, missed missed his game over the weekend. And, you know, he's just kind of been game time decisions, questionable, doubtfuls, a lot of un- favorable stuff there. The Grizzlies have completely gone in the tank after starting the season and playing very well. They've been the second worst team in terms of record, um, you know, fewest wins over the last month or so. And yes, there's the, the shutdown candidacy is, is legitimate. Um, the Grizzlies are in a unique position in that they traded away their 2019 first round pick, but it is top eight protected. Um, it goes to the Celtics if it's outside the top eight, but the Grizzlies keep it if it's one through eight. So I, I think they're ninth in terms of the reverse standings right now um, and certainly based on you know the last month of sample size they're obviously headed in the wrong direction it seems like there's a more likely scenario in which they finish in the top eight than the uh, outside of it so I wouldn't be surprised if they shut it down he's also going to be a, a free agent this summer he does have a player option for around 25 million I believe so he may want to opt in but it most likely I would assume he'll probably want to secure one last um, long-term contract so he'll probably opt out would the Grizzlies consider trading him I think that's something that they consider um you know come february so there's a lot to you know a lot of uncertainty surrounding a soul for that reason i think i would be tempted obviously you don't want to dump them obviously 
you'd like to get close to uh, full value as possible. But if I have to trade him for 85, 80 cents on the dollar, I think I'd do it, especially if I'm near the top of my league and I feel like I can make a real strong run in the postseason, the fantasy playoffs. I'd probably deal him for a player with a little more cost certainty going forward. So part of the reason we're talking about the last month of trends is because I think a lot of fantasy owners, certainly some look at recent trends. I think some just look at overall season value, though, and just look at the surface. Okay, so in that case, Gasol is number 29 on the season overall in nine category leagues. So would you trade him, Tommy, for someone, let's say, you know, in the top 40 range? I mean, the two two names I'll throw at you, Otto Porter, 39, Brooke Lopez, 41, uh, Pascal Siakam, 40. Would you trade him for any, all of those guys? Yeah, I would. You know, Definitely for Siakam, definitely for Porter. Again, Lopez is a little bit different if I don't need threes or blocks. But you know, given the fair value of those other two players and basically you know, most other players in the top 45, I'd pull the trigger. All right. So, Tommy, another, to me, maybe the most perplexing dude we could possibly talk about for the whole season, really, is Victor Oladipo. He is 91st overall the last month. Percentages have been a big culprit, sub 40 from the field, uh, just below 74 from the line. I want to say let's buy low on him, but I'm honestly a little scared. Well, is this is there actual cause for concern here, or would you just power through this and try to get Depot and, and hope the game will pays off? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I had my fantasy Q&A last Friday, and I was getting a bunch of questions on Oladipo. I don't own him any, any league, so I wasn't – I was kind of curious as to why – you know, some of the some of the trade questions were, were, were kind of embarrassing. I was like, why would you consider <laughs> trading Oladipo? Then I looked, you know, digged it, you know, kind of digged into the numbers, and I was really surprised. And then even since then, he's been playing worse and worse – um, yeah. you know, over his last eight games, I wrote down the numbers here. Um, over his last eight games, he's averaging 15.6 points, 3.6 rebounds, zero blocks, shooting just 38% from the floor, 70, 70, 70% from the charity stripe. He's uh, 190th overall in nine cat leagues during that, during that <laughs> eight game stretch. So it's really bizarre. And I kind of, you know, looking back on the season at large, over his first, uh, his first 14 games, over the first month of the season, he kind of was similar to the depot that, you know, was, that was gangbusters, uh, in 2017 right. 18. You know, 23 points, 45% shooting, seven boards, five dimes, plenty of steals, obviously, plenty of threes. Right around mid-November, he was sidelined with that, that right knee soreness. Um, he's played through it for a couple nights, eventually ended up missing 11 games. And since he's come back, he just hasn't been the same player. If it was just one particular category, like he was in a shooting slump, I'd be more willing to write it off as just kind of a blip on the radar. But it's it's across the board, you know. Defensively, his his steals haven't been where where we've expected them to be. Um, I mentioned the block shot; he has just one block shot in his last fifteen games. Wow! So it just he doesn't seem to have that explosion. Um, so I am nervous. Obviously, if I have him, I'm obviously not going to trade him for a top 100 player. I'm going to hold on to him and hope that he, you know, can, you know, just kind of writes the ship and, you know, gets back into a flow. If somebody else is willing to, to sell low on him, I would buy low for the right price, but I'm not as willing to after kind of digging into the numbers. At first, you know, I, I just assumed he was a, a, an ideal prime buy low candidate. But after right. after digging into the numbers, you know, kind of post injury, I'm a little bit more hesitant going forward. Yeah, and I, I will say, in some ways, the fact that we are hesitant still makes him an ideal buy low. Just in the sense that if we're hesitant and we're talking about it, me and you, that means other people are scared who have him on their roster and are 
possibly eager to get rid of him. So true. You you are gambling, but but it's potentially a great gamble. Yes. Uh, so uh, there's very few players you could trade for right now that have the top twenty upside that Oladipo has. You could give up a top, probably a top seventy-ish player, and get back Oladipo, and that D- Depot certainly has the ability over the final two months during the playoffs to be a top twenty overall guy. Right. So you got to just weigh what. Where is your team? Does your team need to yes. take a big risk? Can yes. your team afford to take a big risk? So probably if you're leading your league or need a jolt, maybe it's worth it. Another. Uh, favorite of yours and mine, I know, I think, heading into the season. Joe Engels has been struggling lately, 189 in nine-category leagues the last month, shooting below 40% from the field as well. Do you think Jolton Joe can get it going, Tommy? To a certain extent, I think, you know, he's kind of, he certainly hasn't been playing up to the expectations, um, even our modest expectations coming into the season in terms of his, you know, undervalued status. Um, but yeah, 190 is not where you want somebody to be. It makes him difficult to roster. And he's not a guy that, you know, the Jazz are going to focus on getting going. You know, let's make him, you know, he's a focal point of their offense. So let's make sure he gets touches, et cetera. I have read some interesting stuff over the last couple of days about, Kind of, you know, especially with Ricky Rubio kind of dinged up, giving Ingles more of a kind of the facilitator role, letting him play a little bit of point guard, if not necessarily by name, by just, you know, kind of initiating the offense and, and you know, to kind of jumpstart his game going forward. So, well, I definitely think there's a, he is a buy low target. Um, it, I guess it depends on, you know, what you'd have to give up. But he is the type of guy that because he's struggling, uh, his owner probably wasn't too high on him to begin with, may have fell to him just because he was ranked high on draft sheets. So you could probably get him at a steep discount. So for that reason, I, I am I do think that it makes sense to to kind of poke around and see what you would have to give up to get him. And if you believe in previous year's trends repeating themselves, Ingles was very good down the stretch last year for whatever that might be worth. Uh, all right, Tommy, we're going we're gonna to stop here uh, with a couple names from the Knicks. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. is outside the top 200 the last month. The main culprit here is, again, field goal percentage. He's below 38% the last month from the field. Do you think he can rebound from that? He had a good game on Monday. Does that mean anything to us? Or, or are you pessimistic overall on uh, Hardaway Jr.? Yeah, I'm pessimistic because I think he's. this is kind of what we've seen over the last you know few years or so. He had that, obviously, one good season, or that's, that's even just that half a season in Atlanta um, that caused the Knicks to give him that $71 million contract. But, you know, last year he was around 40%. You know, he's just not that reliable. He, you know, he tends to be very um, impatient when it comes to getting looks offensively with the Knicks. You know, if he doesn't have a shot attempt, you know, in, in five or six trips down the floor, that seventh time, it seems like, you know, come hell or high water, he's going to get a shot up, you know, whether it's forced or contested or fade away. Um, it's almost like he, you know, he, he gets paid by the shot, you know, by the field goal attempt. So he's just, you know, when he's attacking the basket and settling in, you know, you know, to his credit, you know, in fairness, the, the Knicks are very limited offense. Obviously, without Porzingis, so he kind of has to shoulder being that the team's leading scorer, and because of that, teams can kind of flow defenses his way and, and limit his good looks. Uh, but that being said, I, I am not optimistic that he'll kind of bounce back and you know be a forty-five percent shooter. And um, a lot of his value is tied to his offensive production and efficiency. Um, so I, I am not. Uh, I don't. I do not view him as a buy low at the moment. By the way, imagine if someone did have a contract where they got paid by the field goal attempt. (laughs) (laughs) What a nightmare that would be. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, 50 attempts a game. All right. While we're on the Knicks, I want to ask you quickly about Luke Cornett. Now, this has been a majorly up and down week for him. A, a nice report on Monday about him, you know, being a priority, getting playing time for Coach Fisdale going forward. He promptly sprained his ankle on Monday. Now it looks like, based on Tuesday's news, he's out a couple of weeks. 
that's that could be a long time for some of us. But would you hold Cornette if you added him or try to hold him if you have an IR spot or room on your bench? How, how optimistic are you about his upside down the stretch, given what we have learned recently? As we always talk about, if you have an IR spot, you, an IR spot, you should obviously 100% use it. So it makes it's an easier decision for those leagues that, that have IR spots available. But even then, um, assuming you already have that IR spot filled um, or you play in a league without one, I would be hesitant to hold on to him. Um, I assume there's a similar production. Obviously, you're going to get better production over the next couple of weeks while he's sidelined. But even when he returns, if somebody else scoops him up before you have a chance to pick him back up. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Obviously, it looks like they're going to either deal, uh, trade away Ennis Cantor if they can, and or buy him out after the February 7th trade deadline. So over the second half of February, towards the end of the season, there's most likely only going to be two centers there with Mitchell Robinson and Cornette. So Cornette will be able to give you some threes and, and some boards um, once he does return. But I think Mitchell Robinson is, you know, for instance, I would drop Cornette and to pick up Mitchell Robinson. I assume he's available in most leagues. Even with it sounds like Fizdale's going to start Ennis Cantor. Obviously, he's not a big part of their, you know, the team picture going forward. I think Robinson's going to see close to 18 to 20, 22 minutes a night. Plenty of boards, a um, lot of blocks, solid field goal percentage. Um, so I'd pick up uh, Robinson off the waiver wire and then kind of reassess the issue two weeks from now. All right, yeah, and maybe you could get Cornette back easily, just sneak him through waivers for a couple of weeks and then get him back because his ownership percentage is, is fairly low at the moment anyways. So to me, I, I think there's some intrigue for him down the stretch. But again, you know more about the, the Knicks than any of us. And if you're saying he's not a must-hold, I'm not going to hold on to him. Uh, Tommy, your Notable Numbers column with plenty of info about D'Angelo Russell and others will be out on Wednesday, right? Yes, sir. Be out uh, right. Wednesday afternoon. Okay, so look out for that, everyone. Round Ball Stew will be out on Friday. Mike Gallagher's DFS podcast will be out on Friday as well. Tommy, thanks for taking the time. Everyone, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Thanks, man. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.